0: You're listening to Saturday Chronicle here on Scarborough Bay Community Radio. And our next guest is uh, from all the way from Tola, and it's Brian Torpy. Brian, you're very welcome to Saturday, or Saturday Chronicle.
1: Thank you very much, Dara. Yeah. Great to be here. No,
0: it is, so your father uh, was a publican in Tola. He owned a pub in Tola, am I right? Yeah.
1: Um, my father came from your grandfather's country, your great-grandfather's country. Knock James, is it? Knock James. Yes. they Yes. The end of the ground. And um, he he uh, made his money, I suppose, cutting turf at the time of the Second World War. He bought a lorry off Minogue. So I'm not sure whether he bought it or whether he hired it off or not Minogue. So the Halloran's, MV MVO Halloran, that had been the garage in the main street. And um, they cut turf and they sold it into the hospitals in Limerick. Camillus's in particular. Uh during the war years, during the emergency. Um, there was no Ben on Pete at the time. <laughs> Cut it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um yeah, he did that for a number of years and it proved quite successful. Not at that did he bought the pub. Um I knew this question was coming, so I said I must do a homework. I'm not sure what year he bought the pub. Okay. I I would hazard a guess that it was in the late forties very
0: late 40s and would you have in your youth uh, growing up would you have worked in the pub with your father oh god yes. yes that was standard yes
1: no more than at the time like there were 13 pubs in the main street at Tulla. Go away, yeah there's another huge change we had loads of petrol stations and loads of pubs now we have no petrol stations and no pubs yet there are more cars and a lot more drinking
0: yeah
1: you know um yeah it would have been standard like it was a family-run business all pubs at the time were family-run businesses and I suppose one of the other very interesting things about them was it wasn't, you didn't just sell alcohol alone. You you sold, say, for example, my father was a draper. Um, Littleton's, which is where Super Value is now, started out as a pub first, and they had a, a grocery store with it. You know, a lot of the pubs had extra because you weren't, you weren't dependent on, on the money you would make from the sale of alcohol to, to make a living. It just wasn't practicable. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So talk to me about your education then. You were educated in the National School in Tuller, right?
1: Well, then, yes, and for a while I went to the University of Drum Charlie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How many students were in Drum Charlie? Oh, genius, darling. It's a very hard question. I I, I doubt it would be a whole lot now, would it?
1: I hazard a guess. I said it was about 50 there at the time when we were there,
0: you know. And what year did it close?
1: It closed in nineteen seventy. There was the, the big rural amalgamation of all national schools was going on nationwide at the time. Yeah. Um, and I left from Charlie in nineteen seventy. Graduated with flying colours. Yes. And it was. We were the last sixth class, but they didn't go into Tulla until January nineteen seventy-one. I think the the new school at Tulla at the time might not have been completed. But I know that they didn't start on in the national school in in Thola, in the boys' school. We must remember that too that um, the boys went to the where the present national school is, and the girls went to the convent. I actually started out in the convent. Go away, Okay. Yeah, okay, in yeah. Knucknaguiha, that is now. Yes. T- where was formally opened last week in by the minister. It's
0: fantastic, yeah. It's
1: yeah, a yeah, place, yeah Yeah we well I'll tell you it was a lovely place too when we were young Let's going to school with the nuns sure. the nuns were great. They were gorgeous. Yeah. Sister Eileen sure? No Viche vadnis a fuja she or um genies tonight the name of the nun that taught me.
0: I know, there's okay,
1: probably so many, yeah. No, there was one that she was lovely. Oh, gosh, she was lovely. Yeah. She'd give us an old bun if you were good. And <laughs> I remember, actually, <laughs> it was a favourite old story I tell about her communion. Because, see, religion would have been very, very strong with the nuns and, well, no more so with all schools. But they had a party for us after the, after our first communion in the convent. And, uh. Buns with a thousand island dressings on top of them, and sure they were like. It's hard to compare what they'd be like today now. Mm. The finest banoffee pie or something like that. So we all got one or two of those and a glass of orange and some sweets, and it was a lovely party. And Then you were let go, and ran around the street. And <coughs> if if uh, I might bore you with a little story, <laughs> you're okay. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, myself and a friend of mine, Thomas Lambert. God be good to him. He, he's dead now. We were in the same class and, and uh, we made our communion the same day and um, the party was over and that was it. Like there was no house parties there or going off to hotels or anything like that. So the two of us were kind of at a loose end and we were we were dressed to the nines and we were both kind of, well Thomas was more into fishing than I was even though no, we were very young, we were only seven or eight at the time. Well, we said we'd cycle out to the Kiltanen River. You know where the Kiltanen River? Right behind my house, sure. Right, beside, yeah. and yeah. we'll see the bridge. So we cycled out to the bridge anyway, and um, we were admiring the water, and came down about tough shoes. These were what were being sold at the time, spelled T-U-F, and they were the bees knees and shoes, so I had a pair of tough shoes on me anyway, and... The conversation arose anyway, and Tom Lambert says to me, he said, They're not tough shoes. I am there, I said, there. So one word led to the next anyway, and I said, They're waterproof, I said, now you know that. Well, if they're waterproof, he said, Put them in there to the water and we'll see what they get with. So we went down one side of the bridge anyway and I took off one of my shoes to see what it floats. So I took off anyway, so we hopped up over the parapet of the bridge, down the far side. Well, if I was still in the far side of the bridge, there's no sign of the shoe ever coming out so we waited and waited for the shoe and then we ran further down the river to see if the shoe had gone further down ahead of us and <laughs> we went back under the bridge again took off the shoes and socks <laughs> and went back in so my God and I landed in home and my mother was a very patient woman she was a lovely woman she wasn't cross
0: that she lost the shoe would you believe it? the
1: story ends there because I can't actually remember how she responded but she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't well pleased my brand new shoe my yeah. communion shoe yeah Uh, (laughs) Was gone, so that's how I can remember the runs of my communion so well. (laughs) The day, a great day, finished on a bad note, you know. Uh,
0: So, come here then, Um, when it came to your leaving cert, then, had you always a mind, had you always an inkling, sorry, in teaching? No. So, how did that come about? Um, Or what had you in mind in first? You see, you have to put the thing back in perspective
1: again. I did my leaving cert in 1975. There wasn't, unfortunately, a tremendous amount of thought given to further education. Yes. You know, you, you did your leave in certain, you went on. I've um, <coughs> actually another interesting story. <laughs> Go on, you're okay, you're okay. I did my leave in certain, and uh, I'll never forget Bertie Gary, i be good to him, he was our Irish teacher in Flanders. Bertie came to me the morning and the Irish paper and said, Tarpeh, mair to me. I think he was well advised to take the pass paper. And as a teacher, I understand perfectly well where the man was coming from. He was being genuine. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he he didn't want a pupil to fail, and he didn't want for me to fail. It wasn't for him, but for me. So I didn't. I took the pig paper because I said, Jane, this whatever little bit I know is only going to be on that paper. And fortunately enough, I got got the uh, the honour in Irish, so um, I got called to St Pat's and Drumcondor. We were actually called in, I did my interview with Mary I, and the nuns wanted to know, why was I going to Dublin? So I couldn't (laughs) tell them the truth. (laughs) It was a chance to get away and have a bit of fun and live in Dublin, which was a wonderful experience. But actually what I wanted to be was an engineer. Okay. Yeah, I had a fascination with engineering. And the former Bishop of Killaloo, Willie Walsh, a most wonderful man.
0: Yes, a lovely man, yes. Oh, by God. Yeah.
1: He was our maths teacher. And um, I didn't get the call to engineering, but there was, I'm sure she's still there now, kind of second choice. There was a late call. And didn't I get the engineering girl with the late call? And I was in a pucker. I said, I didn't know what to do. And I mean, I would have lost, my parents, rather, would have lost money, we'll say, paying your deposit in pets. And, <coughs> like, it was money that, well, we weren't poor, but at the same time you weren't rich either. Yes, were I, no get you, I get you, I get you, yeah, yeah. So I rang Bishop Willie, and if you're listening to this, Willie, you're responsible. <laughs> I says to him, what'll I do? Stay very well, Brian, he said. I think he said you'll make a better fish to the teaching, he said, and you would engineering. So I kind of have that in the back of my head all along, if I ever made a pig's ear event in the educational field and blamed the bishop etc he sent me at it <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so that's a very concise history of my education
0: so so, so where did your okay you went to college then said uh, st pet's mm-hmm. so where did your teaching career start out what school did you go to first
1: my teaching career started in st Olas in shannon and um wonderful wonderful experience a brand new school uh the day I started teaching there was the day it opened. So it was... We were all learning together. I <laughs> have another funny story. <laughs> or interesting <laughs> one. Um, the school wasn't fully finished. But uh, it was ready to receive children. I yes. mean, it wouldn't happen nowadays. I mean, should they have the carpets down now the whole lot? But it wasn't 100% finished. And the builders still had their shed out the back. Do you know? So... The young lad anyway, which was me, was to make the tea the first week. And like you're only 10 minutes for your tea break at 11 o'clock, and even though we'd stretch it because we were all getting to know one another and everything. And, but I was outside in the shed making the tea. And it was an electric kettle. And it was one of these fancy ones with the, the light coming on, on it, mm. you see. So I went out and I plugged in the kettle. <laughs> And Jesus this light kept coming on, so I reckon this was wrong. I must flick it again to knock off the light. So was knocking off the kettle I was every time within <laughs> Joe. <laughs> the prince got to me, What are you doing with the kettle? he said. And I remember thinking to myself, this man must have what sort of an idiot am I after giving a job to know. I couldn't plug in the, <laughs> <laughs> the kettle properly. But again, you have to put it in context and remember like I was only coming from. The straight plug-in kettle, there was no yes, in yes, the back of the that. so yes, next yes. thing down to this. So I started in Tola's, um, it was wonderful. I.
0: How I, long were you there for?
1: 18 years.
0: 18 years,
1: yeah. Shannon was the most wonderful place, there was fantastic people there. Uh, because they accepted you for who you were. I wasn't Brian Torpy, the son I met in Sissy. I was Brian Torpy, full stop. No more than, if you were there, you were not leave me. You weren't your parents, or you weren't your grandparents, or you you were just the person whom you were. And Shannon was a new town at the time, and in that regard, it was magnificent, because we all came in as equals, and we all treated each other as equals. And I i was um, got married, and we lived in Shannon, and our four children were born in Shannon, and they had a wonderful, wonderful childhood there. I could never say enough about Shannon. It was just fantastic, a fantastic place.
0: So but, uh, what I'm saying is okay, so you still have connections in St. Toller's. You still have friends from... Great, great friends. Great friends. Yeah, great friends. Yeah, yeah. So at what stage then... So, okay, you were in St. Toller's. Did you go anywhere else before you went to Tola? No, no.
1: No. I came, got the job in Tola then, and I started in Tola. On the 7th of January 1995.
0: And was that the principal job, or did you start teaching in Tully before no, you went to principal? No, that was the principal job, okay. straight
1: in at the, the deep end. Okay. With okay. 86 boys.
0: 86 boys? Not
1: a sign of a girl. And this was a huge change. I was after coming from a co educational school, and um, anybody who has experience of education will know that boys and girls give a great balance in a class. You know, there's. They, they just give a balance. I think that's the word like It isn't that they play off one another, but boys will give you a certain amount, girls will give you more. So it was totally different. It was totally different coming out to teaching in an all-boys school. And as well as that, the Department of Education had sanctioned, well, there were the initial stages of sanctioning the amalgamation, the building of a new school. And for anybody who has ever worked with the Department of Education, they won't sanction the building of a new school unless the one you're in has fallen down. Mm-hmm. And in just gone way beyond repair. And even though all the people who were in Tull at the time, and, uh, they all were fantastic to try and maintain the building and whatnot, but at the same time, it was old. Yeah,
0: yeah, It
1: was old, yeah. you know, and uh, and needed. So it was a big change, big, big change in teaching boys the insurances. It was different. <laughs> it
0: was right. different. Yeah. So, yeah. so Shannon was a mixed school, was it? Oh, God, yeah. 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 So, as you yeah. Said, well,
1: single-sex schools would have been, in, even then, would have been the exception. Yes. So, you know, more schools yes. would have been co-educational. Yeah. Except, we'll yeah. say where you had a religious order running a school, and by choice, they were keeping it. Mm-hmm. They were keeping it. So it was, it was. So definitely different.
0: Did you enjoy your time in Tullam?
1: Oh God, one hundred percent. Oh, genius, yeah.
0: And what was it like, like, you were a teacher in St. Toilers, but what was it like to take a principal role, totally different um, job in, in the school? Yeah, well, it was
1: completely different.
0: Um, like, you have, you have to take, uh, how would I say, a, a bigger role.
1: Well, you have, yeah. The book stops at mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it was totally different. And for the first number of years, I was... Uh, a teaching, what they call a teaching principle. In other words, you have to teach a class as well as try and run the building, mm-hmm. which I think in the modern days is, is crazy, crazy, crazy scenarios, just not doable.
0: Well, we see it in small schools now today, but... Um, you have, and yeah.
1: equally you'll see like how difficult it is to fill that position. Yes, Because yes. it's not it's not a doable job.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it was great. Um, worked with great people. Tim Maloney the McNamara and... Mary Collins and Bridie Tracy, great people starting out, you know, and then, the, then when we, we see things change very, very quickly because I started in in, in January 95 and the new building started its construction in 97, late 97.
0: And that's where the present school is now, is and it? that's where the present school is. Okay. So there
1: was some fun, I can tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim... Was in the classroom just below me, and the rock breaker was working below Tim again on a new classroom extension. And the conditions we worked under were crazy. Mm. I mean, it was driving me cracked, and Tim was right beside it, and the children in it, and still we were expected to, and we did, not expected, but we did provide a fairly decent old education to them, you know. But it was just, and then there was a big barrier across the road, across the yard. And we'll say we took our break at 11 o'clock. Well, the builders would come out at five minutes to 11 and put up the barrier so that the kids wouldn't run from the playground out into the building site, you know. But the story I'm telling is the same story of hundreds of other teachers and hundreds of other schools. I mean, Tulley wasn't an exception in that regard, far from it. But there 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 were different times, you know. But everybody, the goodwill of everybody was so good. Mm-hmm. do you know it was mm-hmm. so good there was an interesting one now that would be relevant to your own situation or your own neighbour rather there was a prefab when the schools amalgamated in 1971 uh, Mahara not James and drunk Charlie was close was it not Mahara Jack James i Charlie or Genie's Tonight and the other one <laughs> the name has gone out of my head down near where Jermak and Breda live now. Oh, God. Um, I can't think of it now anyways. It'll come. Yeah, it'll come. They were the schools that came in. But not James' school, not only did it send in its pupils, but it sent in the school, which was a prefab. So the prefab was brought in. Mm. And the prefab was inside in the air, and, and we used to use it for tugging out. Right. And one, the other half of it didn't Bridie Tracy used to have her learning support room inside. <laughs> and we were talking about another happened. So next thing, this new building was coming, which was great. And um, what are we going to do to the prefab? So we just kind of threw it out there amongst the community. And Richard Price.
0: I know him very well, yeah. Richard
1: above, with Knock James. And actually, he, he he's now living in the house that my great-great-grandfather came out of. He said he'd take the prefab. So he came down, and it I'll tell you... Uh, an engineering lesson to watch him dismantle the and put it up in the back of the lorry, bring it back up. And by God, he reconstructed it above again in that like James. It had kind of gone, it had gone full circle, yeah, do you know? Yeah, so yeah. it was great to see it going like that.
0: Um, before we move on to your involvement with the Tuller Drama mm-hmm. Group, uh, talk to you about, if you can, I don't know, I might go on a bit, um, the teaching nowadays um, or... How do you think the education nowadays is, is, is faring out?
1: Well, again, and I'm not going to give you a smart answer. I'm retired nine years, so it's changed exponentially. Um,
0: in such a short period of time?
1: Oh, okay, God, yeah. And from when, I mean, did we saw... I saw the introduction of two new curricula. The, the first new curriculum came out in early seventies. So we will say when, when we started, when I started teaching in seventy eight. There was still this relatively new curriculum coming out, mm-hmm. and then they brought in another new curriculum in the early two thousands, and they're, they're seismic changes, you know. Um, it's, it was turning around. Or it was more. What's the word I'm looking for? Defined. It was more specific. Uh, you had to it was a good thing too because you had to be organized you had to have very definite notes and you had to have plans and know where you were going um
0: but what do you think of like we know we heard there in the budget even there to to uh, tuesday they're giving it's uh, is this it free free books, free books for uh, primary school children yeah. like in terms of cost now of education we know it is very 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 expensive right so what do you think in that uh, of that aspect well now, I could
1: really talk to you about that one because is it expensive? The, all loads of people were talking about the voluntary contributions, the voluntary contributions. That came in at a time when the government was not subsidising the running of schools properly. And schools had to ask parents for help, and it was voluntary. And I know from the number of principals I would have been in contact with that if there were families who couldn't give it, you did not force it, and there was no expert beside their name, or they weren't published in any way. But it was totally, I mean, the responsibility of the government. It's the, it's the government's job to properly fund the educational system and all the other services, the health system, all the systems are responsible. That's their responsibility, to fund it. Not to, uh, I won't go give the political broadcast now, but anyway, that's their job, is to fund the state-run services. So the... the free books now oh yeah sorry the cost of education we hear this every September but at the same time you're clothing your child for the year so if you were to break it down like and if you're buying jumpers and pants for a child or a skirt and a blouse and a cardigan for a child for the year that costs money too but I'm I'm just
0: I'm just thinking like you know especially in secondary school now I like I know myself from Leaving Cert that, you know, the, the, the book list would come out in July and they, uh, it would say, get such and such a book, English, uh, Fire Nice 2 or whatever, yeah. and it's new edition. Like, this crack of new editions, myself, personally, like, if we look at the olden days, or, uh, well, I, I call them the olden yeah. <laughs> days, um, people were able to hand down their books from person to person. Oh, correct. But now they're looking for new editions yeah, of yeah, books, yeah. Uh, which is an extra cost on parents. So yes. what do you think of that?
1: But wait a minute, again, right, but go back. Who is responsible for that? It's the publishers. So it's the publishers should be called out over it. Not the schools and not the teachers. It's the publishers change the edition of the books. And really what they do a lot of times is only change the sequence of chapters. They're also doing it at infant date now. Everything is disposable. Colouring in pages and throw it away, throw it away. But it's the publishers that are responsible for that. So, as the publishers should be punished and called out over it.
0: But I, th- I think myself, with w- this is the last point now. No, go uh, on. This is a good discussion, <laughs> and, and
1: it's very, very interesting <laughs> because it's great to to trash it out. Go on.
0: No, but I think myself, there is pressure, and I, I'm not blaming the teachers, as you said. It's no, no, the, it's, no, It's the publishers that that, that yeah, yes. with the editions. But teachers say, if if you bring in the wrong book, like uh, they say, no, no, we need we need this book. So, you have to leave the old book at home and get the new book. But if you look at the old versus new book, there might be only one page of a difference. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But yet you're still pressurised into getting the new book. I would agree
1: with you entirely. I would agree with you entirely. And it is the responsibility then of the cohort who have to bear the burden of that cost, namely the parents, to go and knock on the door of the publishers. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger but knock on the door of the publishers. But I'm just wondering how the effect of this free book scheme will have on on things like that. I'd say the publishers could go, they could literally just walk away from it and say, leave the books there. The one thing that I'm very interested in to see what impact this will have, we were very conscious of the weight of school bags. I mean, it's ridiculous, the weight of school bags. And um, we tried a book rental scheme. And maybe if you rent two of them or bought a second one where you could leave... These huge tomes of books in school, and have another set at home so that you could walk home or cycle home safely and independently without carrying a sack of spuds above your back. Um, I, I, I'd be interested to see how that works out, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, with these free books. There's no such thing as a free book anywhere, we can rest assured of that it'll come back to bite you somewhere because all these different publishers are going publishing their books they're going to have to be subsidised in some yes, way so yes, the yes. government would be subsidising them you know
0: so I suppose moving from the teaching side of things uh, tell me about your involvement in the drama uh, side of things as well ok before before you went uh, joined the Tullet Drama Group you were with Ennis and Shannon am I right?
1: oh I was uh, yeah. I'd be a bit of a Johnny Patterson <laughs> 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 we travelled around
0: <laughs> and had you always an interest in drama or how did that oh, come about joining Ennis and Shannon? oh
1: I'd always uh, my 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 first involvement in drama <laughs> was in the university of Charlie the <laughs> emperor has no clothes was a play we put on oh yes yes school. yes yes and uh, it just had a a, a a profound effect i love drama i yes. really like drama um it gives it gives you an opportunity to to be somebody else i like that notion yes you know Um, I know some people who are tremendous actors but if you ask them to stand up in front of a crowd and address them they would find it difficult Yes. because they're doing it as themselves whereas when they're in a play they're some other character and they assume that character so they can do that no problem you know but in answer to your question the the school I started in, Shannon uh, our principal Joe Walsh was very very involved in drama so kind of monkey do with monkey see you know mm. I got involved in it and, and we had great times with the Icarus Drama Group in Shannon the first play we put on was Sive um, very
0: good play I've seen it yeah tremendous play yeah.
1: and I, I was playing the part of Liam Scoob
0: oh yes Liam Scoob yes but um, we put on the
1: show anyway and it was a local production with loads of local characters in it wonderful people Jimmy Rocks now Dead, God be good to him. Declan Rowine, Francis Gilfile, Mary O'Dwyer, Tony O'Brien, wonderful people. But we really enjoyed putting on the show. We, we ran it for two different weekends in Shannon. And next thing Joe said, Do you know what he said? We'll go down and put it on in Listall. the home of John B. Only right. Only right. Only so right. Yeah. down we went anyway, and we hired a bus, and we loaded up on the bus, and we headed off down to Listall. We landed in until we anywhere and the two sides of the streets were lined with cars. I am not telling a word of a lie. We couldn't get over the crowd mm. that, uh, that was there on the side of the street anyway. And we went to the hall anyway, and sure, we were there like an hour before the were two hours, you know. Actually, now I think about it, there's someone must should be there earlier to put up a safe, but we landed in anywhere and we reckon, geez, this place is mm. going to be packed. Well, the only one that was in the hall was the bus driver. There wasn't a sinner in it. There was the funeral of a Nairavid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, And gosh, the oh. street
1: was lined with trouble. But we didn't mind, because we were putting it on in the store. And when the bus driver was there, and he was a great audience. So the play was over, and they went. it was really a social outing. So we all retired to John B's pub, and the place was heaved. Yeah. So we came in and we were there, and Billy Keane came over to us after us. Well, Jesus, he says, I have to, excuse me, I have to tell you, he said, it was one of the best productions of Sive I've ever seen.
0: No.
1: I thought you were outstanding, he said. I haven't enjoyed the production of Sive as much. Billy Keane was no more at it than, than you were. But the crowd had come into the pub after us and said, sure What else was he going to tell us? He was hardly going to come over and say to us, Oh, God, let's I'm awful sorry to <laughs> get down to see. He just told us we were right. Yeah. <laughs> We knew he wasn't there, but we were delighted to accept the compliment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So then?
1: So then we did, yeah, we were doing Sive. We did a couple of more plays. um, But they started to do festivals. As I said, I got married when I lived in Shannon and we we started a family. So a young family and... uh, He moved up to Tuller then? Not for a while, no. A young family and a drama on the circuit don't combine. Because uh, bringing a play in the circuit is a huge, huge it commitment. Is, it, oh,
0: is, it, it is. It is. But it's, it's all the same, though. It's a great experience.
1: Tremendous. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you have the time. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I, I I was <laughs> I spent a year with Scaruff before that. Um, when uh, when I was single and living at home, still teaching Shen, but living at home. Um, Grania Harrington was producing a play, uh, the Year of the Hiker. And we did it, we did it in Scarf. we actually went on tour. We went to Feigl with it. And we had a great night in the hall in Feigl, putting Andy here, the hiker. More brilliant people. Alan Sperling was in it, and, and, um, I'm really sure Geraldine Collin was in it as well. And there's Hesse's daughter, Nora. Mary, Mary, Mary Hesset that was it. And uh, that was great fun, that was really great fun. Poor Grania Harrington was heartbroken with me, trying to get me to pronounce the word beard. I couldn't pronounce the word beard properly. And we spent one night at a full rehearsal, <laughs> and she was tearing her hair out, so trying to get me to pronounce the word beard. But it was good fun, great yeah. fun. Drama so uh, what, great.
0: what stage, what year then did you join Toilet Drummond?
1: Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, when I came back to Talladeen, well, it was different, you see. You, you, I didn't have the time for drama, mm-hmm. uh, I just didn't. But about ten years ago then, I joined them again. And uh, the first play I got involved in was um, Hidden Meanings. There are some people telling me I was brilliant in it because <laughs> I was playing, I was playing the part of a corpse. Inside in the closet. Oh. And I had nothing to do. Only lie inside. The, the closet just opened every so often and I just had to brace myself and bite it. Uh, and bite my lip and not stir. And that was the way for the play. And all I did was fall out.
0: But uh, it's very difficult to do that because got, imagine if you had to, you know, cough or sneeze or do right. you know what I mean? Like yeah.
1: And Dara, for some of us to stay quiet is more difficult. I know, <laughs> I know,
0: I know, I know. Lord
1: mercy so, John Minogue, Shall we just go up yes, to John Minogue, Lord, right. Lord, oh Lord yeah. I thought it was a dummy was inside that <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, now we, we spoke to Brendan Daly there a couple of days ago. Oh you have all and, the facts. And we have all the facts, but um just, what was one of your favourite plays?
1: God, I don't know. I enjoyed them all because they were all brilliant. Yeah. Um,
0: like you, like, I am in the as you know, I'm in the Jammer yeah. Group myself. Uh, but we, we've a great crew in the Jammer Group, haven't we? There is, yeah. Yeah,
1: and it's great to have you because you definitely do wonders for the age profile. That's the unfortunate thing about it. We don't have enough young people. Yes. Well, that's understandable yes, too. Yes, yes. You know, it, not everybody has the time. No, I just loved dramas. I, I, I uh Saive, Well, that was because I suppose it was the first play. Uh, I love John B plays. I love West of Ireland plays because I find it easier to relate to them. He's writing about something we know about. Yes. He, he's, yes. You can you can catch that character. I mean, the recent production of Big Maggie. Um, I was playing the part of a fellow called Borden. I knew Borden. I knew him. He was there. He was and that in.
0: made it easy for you to yeah. act out on stage?
1: He was in my father's pub. Yes. Do you know? Yeah. Um, and that's why I love John B. Because he's, he's writing about us. And I suppose he's even more important nowadays. Because I would be very traditionalist in my ways. And it's important that we keep the culture he spoke about and the type of people he spoke about, that we keep them alive in and keep showing them to your generation that um, they don't become fossilised people that they're still alive and they're still there you know Mm -hmm. I mean Keane wrote powerful stuff going back to the time I mentioned Sive Sive was banned when it it came out first it was supposed to be put on in the Abbey and um, they wouldn't allow it because of its content so Listole players decided to put it out in the circuit now I'm sure some of your listeners would have the more correct date. I think it was 1957 they came to Scariff Drama Festival. And it was one of the first... It was definitely the first time it was being done. Now, whether Scarif was the first festival they came to or not, I'm not sure, but it definitely came there. And there was a wonderful character in Tala, a wonderful woman called Madge Kennedy. Madge was a single woman, she ran the library in Tola, that's and right. and right, yeah. she was the correspondent for the Nina Guardian and the Club Champion
0: right.
1: and she used right to write little plays herself um, so she was talking to um, as I mentioned John Minogue again and she was talking to Joe. Oh, that terrible place she says is coming to Scarif, she said that shouldn't be allowed so John being John said "Will you come over he said I'll bring you so, he/she went with him, and they went over to see Saeve and coming home, in the car and they carried him into John Minogue. Told me the story himself. She'd mellowed a bit about it, you know, the way it was done and everything. So the following day, anyway, who landed into John Minogue? Only John B. Keane. Uh, like John Minogue's pub would have been like that, you know. No more than when you went to you store, you're going to John B.'s. Yes, yes. So John B. landed to <coughs> John Minogue and John says to him, he says, Are you in a hurry? No. So he I was going to say he made the tea, he did not. Kathleen made the tea and brought it out and, and, and gave it to him or whoever and, and he went down, he brought up Madge. And Madge sat down with John B. for two hours and had a great chat with him. And on her way out the door and he said to John, he's a lovely man.
0: No. Do you know, and he was, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know,
1: so it's it's just another little bit of history in relation to drama.
0: Well, listen, on that note, we'll have to leave it there, I'm afraid. So, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time to come here Not on, on Scarlett Bay Community Radio. Thank you,
1: Absolutely pleasure, and fair play, Scarlett Community Radio. They're brilliant, they're thank they're you, wonderful work. And thank you, Della. Thanks, Brian. God bless.